to Startup in Estonia, the podcast where we discuss different pillars of a successful startup ecosystem by showcasing examples from Estonia. In this season, we take a deeper dive into verticals of startups, such as educational technology, AI and machine learning, cybersecurity, financial technologies, talent HR, and more. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud, and for more information about the startup ecosystem in Estonia, visit startupestonia.ee. Without further ado, it's time to dive into today's episode. Here's your host, Jiao Ray. So welcome everybody to a new episode of the Startup in Estonia podcast. Uh, today's topic is going to be on mobility and what the future of mobility means for people, for startups, for companies, and what's happening in Estonia with, uh, with mobility. I'm very happy today to have uh, two very distinguished guests. I have uh, Martin Willig from uh, Bolt and Ardo Reinsalu from uh, Stigo Bikes. Uh, guys, why don't you uh, introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about uh, your background and what you're doing at the moment. So, uh, yeah, my name is Martin. I'm co-founder of Bolt, formerly Taxify. Uh, we have been operating now the sixth year is, is running. Um, we started from Tallinn and now we are ride hailing platform uh, within 100 cities uh, in 30 markets, mainly in Europe and Africa. And uh, when we started with cars, then uh, last year we started adding additional transport methods. So that means motorcycle taxis and also three-wheeler tuk-tuks in, in several African uh, cities and, and uh, now also electric scooters in Paris and Madrid and looking to grow that. And, uh, and also we have announced that we'll plan to launch food delivery service this summer. So uh, working on, on different product segments. So mobility for, for six years. Yes. And Ardo? Yeah, hello. Um, I represent Stigo and uh, we are making micromobility products basically. So we started with a retail version of a scooter, uh, sold it to 30 plus countries. Uh, last year we added also a P2P fleet uh, service capability, which means that we bring bikes to companies uh, where people can use it for a monthly subscription fee. And uh, our third pillar is that currently we are developing and manufacturing products also to uh, other companies, mainly like uh, sharing companies as well. Like ride-sharing companies. Like ride-sharing companies, yeah. Right. But our, our target is, our focus is micro-mobility products. That's what we know. It's like small bikes, uh, e-bikes, uh, scooters, gig scooters uh, and mopeds. And what countries can we see your scooters being uh in operation or being sold? Uh, hopefully um, in uh, France. Uh, and uh, and our two other customers who, um, who are not making kick scooters for, but e-bikes, uh, they are in China. So these are Chinese companies. And when we talk about mobility and we talk about the evolution that has happened, I remember very clearly when Taxify started operating uh, in Estonia, your, your approach to market was very different from, from Uber, which was to cooperate with... Uh, with taxi companies and kind of get them on the platform, and then you kind of switch that a little bit to uh, you know to get the riders, the independent uh, uh, independent drivers to uh, to start operating their uh, their own uh, uh, cars. Um, if if you now take that to new mobility uh, that's not car dependent, what's the approach here? Um, I would say in startup terms, we actually pivoted three times in five years. Nice. So uh, yeah, we, we started with individual licensed taxi drivers. Then we tried to sell dispatch system to get more taxi companies, bigger fleets on board. And then we focused more on Eastern Europe, 
um, both private drivers and, and uh, licensed taxi drivers. And the third strategy was then to focus mostly on, uh, on private drivers uh, and, and going to after bigger cities. And that's where we found the, the growth track. But uh, if we look at now, then of course we have been evolving in our thinking as well. So starting just with taxis, now we see that we're solving the overall urban transportation problem, and and which which is a problem in many cities. Uh, in some cities, public transport is more developed, more in let's say Western Europe, um, Austria, Germany. Usually, it's also UK, France is quite a good level. And if you go to Africa, then it's basically non-existent. So, so we have very, various cities where the quality of public transport is different. Even people ask that in Estonia, public transport is for free. Why people would even use taxis, but they still use. And we see that in five years, the number of taxi rides or, or yeah, taxi rides have grown about three times. So, so basically what we are, we are solving problems how to um, move around more efficiently and we're actually competing mostly with private cars, private cars. not uh, not with, uh, let's say, public transport or other taxi companies, but we are overall trying to... Is, is, that, is that a trend that you see in all of the markets where you're operating, that uh, you know the shift is from private cars to ride-sharing and less from public transportation to... Uh, I mean, to in Europe, that's the trend. In Africa, as the public transport is close to non-existent, they have mostly the minivan type of buses going around, which don't have specific routes, so they're... It's, it's more opportunities. But in Europe, yes, I think that our biggest competitor is you leaving your car keys at home and, and uh, using on-demand or public transport and, and yeah, whatever. If, if we analyzed our traffic, then we saw that we had about 30% of rides were less than three kilometers. And it's not very efficient to use a two-ton car to, to use to transport one, one person. So, so using all the micro mobility like scooters, bikes, uh, all the other things, or even public transport to, to take these shorter rides is, is more efficient than, than using a four or five person car. Right. And Ardo, where do you see your, your product coming in in terms of urban mobility? Yeah, I, th- I think the, the answer is that the overall, uh, uh, kind of definition of a vehicle is changing because for more than 100 years we were all used to seeing one type of a car like a five-seater car but now um, uh, especially because of uh, mobility as a service you can actually now build many different kind of vehicles and why is that because you used to have one car because this car was supposed to take your family to your vacation and also drive you alone around the city during uh, daytime but now with a mobility as a service, you can order a car based on your actual needs. So today I want a car with five seat, uh, seats. Uh, tomorrow I need maybe a one-seater. Uh, right now I'm going to take a micro-mobility product. And that means that the market is going to see a huge number of different kind of vehicles, total different kind of vehicles, like four-wheelers, three-wheelers, one-wheelers. And that is the major change that is enabled by the mobility as a service because so, you can call up a, uh, specific of, uh, vehicle. Mobility as a service, then my understanding is that, uh, okay, I will no longer need to own my own car exactly. or my own bicycle or my own e-scooter. And, and I will subscribe to some sort of service that will enable me to pick whatever is the most convenient, uh, or I don't have to pick, it just it, it yeah, recommends or it tells exactly. me, or it brings to me the, the, the most convenient uh, service. 
we're not there yet, right? How far are we from having one company that has like a monthly subscription that is comparable to owning a car? Let's say right now I'm leasing my car, I'm paying, I don't know, 300, 400 euros a month plus gas, and, uh, and you know, th- there's clearly a market that some company like Bolt would do something as a monthly subscription where, you know, I don't need to own a car. How far are we from, from that uh, I think Marcus is uh, Marcus actually is now 24 our CEO and and in 5 years he hasn't uh, actually made driving license for himself and we see that as being a big trend so whenever countries we see the average age of getting a driver's license is, is when it was around 20 earlier so now in I I think in Sweden it was already 25 and in some markets it's it's even older so that clearly shows that young people don't feel the urge to get driving license, to be in control, to move around. Otherwise, when I was young, I felt that if I don't have a car and driving license, I'm like stuck. But nowadays, people don't feel that. They see that on-demand is available and, and that already takes down a lot of the pressure. I, I like this, I like this uh, vision or analogy because I, I compare it with, uh, you know, my daughter is now seven. I, I doubt that she will ever have, ever have a driver's license, right? And maybe a hundred years ago or even more, uh, you needed to know how to ride a horse. Yeah. If you didn't know how to ride a horse, you, you were stuck. Right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and now the people riding horses do it for fun. Mm-hmm. You know, you have expensive horses. You know, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. So and it's just I, I for think fun. it will be probably cars, happen the same that if right? if you need to drive cars in it's twenty years, you you go to special like a territory and yeah. then you can ride a car. Like so free riding. You know, like you have like a track where okay, no autonomous vehicles. You know, so it's just free riding, and then you have the the good cars. You know. 100,000, 200,000 for people who want to drive for pleasure. But for, uh, for getting places, then, uh, then maybe that's not going to be the thing. Maybe then we will have these types of services. I think it's, is it Helsinki that is playing around with the idea of having this sort of different route planning systems where buses plan the routes based on mm-hmm. the demand as well? Is something happening like that in other places that you're aware of? Or is that something that's you know, you guys are considering when we think of mobility as a service? I think uh, still vision-wise, we are, as a company as well, we are still pretty early stage on, on that. So we we haven't seen any major disruptions yet. We, we see the trends that uh, public transportation companies are opening up their APIs. We see uh, companies like City Planner or, or some of the others already trying to aggregate different transport methods, also I would say Google Maps is probably even the leading one in that terms that they have integrated taxis, uh, trains, also flights and and public transport. So, so there are companies working towards that. And I think that's, that's, that's the trend, but it's still, still pretty early because in, in, uh, and there are also regulatory challenges. I know that in multiple markets, you can't, uh, let's say, add a commission on top of a public transport ticket because mm. the law just doesn't allow it. So current regulation still is not ready for this mobility as a service type of service because yeah, I could sell you a bus ticket, but I can't make any money on that. So so and there is no commission built in or, or that logic is, is still to be changed and rethink how how that should be uh, should be done. So when, yeah, companies are moving towards that, but I think it will take another five to ten years to actually get that to the mass scale. But if you if you look at the public transportation, which has always been based on, you know, moving as many people as possible in as efficient way as possible in like defined routes. And now we're looking at, you know, e-scooters or, you know, what, what Stigo has available, those are very 
you know, person by person. You know, it's, it's, you're removing one person at a time. Looking ahead towards the future, is it going to be more based on the individual uh, needs of, you know, someone just moving one person at a time? Or is public transportation going to have a role to play here with, uh, you know, with the typical buses, trains, trams, subways? Yeah, I, I think the public transportation definitely is, is there to stay because uh, moving uh, a huge number of people in masses, it's actually the most efficient way to do it. However, uh, the problem right now, especially what micromobility is solving, is the last mile travel. Right. It's like, like, uh, like the last one or 1.5 kilometers. And um, I think it's KPMG or somebody said that uh, the last mile transportation is worth one trillion USD dollars alone, which means what we actually what we do is we effectively monetize walking. Basically, mm -hmm. what used to be walking, now we are trying to make money out of it by offering solutions. And you might ask, like, why are why would people pay for four dollars, for example, to uh, go for a last mile? But the answer is the same. Why you pay for uh, coffee? You could brew it at home really almost for free, but you choose to go out there and uh, to take uh, it because it's more convenient and it's, uh, it saves you time. And I think that the time-saving uh, point here is really, really crucial. That public transportation takes you from one place to another in masses, but from there you need to go to your personal destination and there you need some different, kind, different means, basically. Mm -hmm. Either it's a, it's a taxi solution or, or micromobility transportation. So it, it will be a combination of all. But I would say probably way less uh, five-seater cars than, than, you are, yeah, than you're used to seeing right now. And Martin, how does, how does Bolt look at public transportation in the whole mix of, uh, of urban mobility? Yeah, I, we also feel that it, it's actually going to be a mix. There wouldn't be like one type fits all, but uh, our vision is, let's say, in six to ten years, so you put in a destination and we will offer you three, four, five different uh, alternatives how to go there. So you can walk to the bus and then maybe take the bus and then a taxi lasts two kilometers or maybe a scooter or uh, maybe you prefer more a green uh, type of thing, then it's electric car, which is more costly or, or um, some other way of mix of, I don't know, subway and the bike or, or things like that. So you basically have choice of speed time, let's say more green <laughs> versus uh, pollution. So, so all of the choices will be there. So I think that's where we are heading. And uh, of course, there will be subscription-based services as well, but to really get there, we are still a bit too early for, for that. And, and longer mix as well, you, it will be also the rental cars. So if you need to visit the countryside, you can That's then an option, yeah. Yeah, take a, whatever, a Jeep or SUV for the weekend and, and um, try to make that work. And yeah, it really depends on the cities. As you mentioned, some cities are more innovative, already trying to make public transport more adaptable. So it's not fully fixed routes, but it's a bit flexible routes, let's say a few blocks left and right from the main route. So, and in some cities already some uh, private companies are trying to do similar model. So uh, it's, it's probably gonna be something mixed between public, private and fully private businesses. So as, as Bolt is today. 
You are listening to the Startup in Estonia podcast. We're going to get back to the episode shortly. To learn more about the startup ecosystem in Estonia, visit startupestonia.ee, where you can find more information about Estonian startup visa. Visit our blog, check out startup events in Estonia, and more. For up-to-date startup news, also follow Startup Estonia in Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And now, let's get back to the show. So let's talk about some of the the you know regulatory challenges that that this future uh, has. You know, until we're there, and looking at you know not just the, the fact that you can't add a commission to public transportation, but uh, some of the changes that need to happen in the law to catch up with the technology. So we were having a discussion before about the uh, the fact that some uh, some scooters are regulated uh, quite heavily in some markets where uh, you know they're still compared with the equivalent of a, of a moped. Um, you know, I'm, I'm originally from Lisbon and I've seen guys r- riding around in these electric scooters without a helmet because you know if they're on the sidewalk they don't need a helmet, but the sidewalk is not really convenient, so they go on the road and on the road they need the helmet. Uh, so how how does this legislative uh, framework is catching up with uh, with mobility i think the short answer is slowly but uh, but I, I think the most extreme example people are bringing up here is like in in why london you can't use electric scooters is because of 183 year old horse carriage law right. is still uh, telling that you can't deploy electric scooters for commercial use so so uh, yeah we're like close to 200 years uh, still some laws are there uh, so stopping innovation so so that's the most extreme but uh, but yeah it's uh, there the main challenge is there is no pun european mm-hmm. Uh, like guidelines or, or general rules. The same also applies to taxi services, ride hailing, so that uh, the European court decided that it's currently on municipal or national level, and then every city is trying to invent the wheel. So what we are trying still to say is that that really stops the innovation. There should be at least some high-level guidelines so that uh, the market should be opened and maybe some best practices to be agreed, and then some level of uh, decision on a municipal level, but but currently we see really, let's say, even stupid things, and and uh, many of the taxi associations or historically very powerful taxi companies they just don't allow any innovation, and uh, and politicians are are afraid. seeing that yeah taxis come on street, politicians are afraid, and nothing changes, and who loses in the end is is actually the the passengers. So, but I think that you know the taxi sort of backlash or or kind of resistance to the new uh, ride sharing uh, platforms is uh, is understandable. But is there any resistance of the same kind towards other forms of mobility like uh, e-scooters, or it's it's all in the same mix? Yeah, I think uh, there actually there are two kinds of laws. One set set of laws. Um, regulates how you can use vehicles, like where you need license, where you need helmet, where you can operate it, you can't operate. And another set of rules is how can you make a vehicle? Like uh, when is vehicle safe? Uh, mm. What's the speed limit? What's the, uh, what kind of tires you can use? What kind of headlamps? And, uh, and when Martin was talking about the um, laws that regulate uh, operate, operating vehicles, then the same kind of um, fr- frustration is in, among uh, how to make a vehicle because there are good laws of how to make cars, 
there are quite good laws of how to make motorcycles because these are old technologies. But anything in between, anything and, new? And the, recent, the most recent law is how to make electric bicycles. Mm. But that's it, basically, uh, for electric kick scooters, electric mopeds, electric uh, balance scooters, uh, there's almost nothing. And, uh, and that means that everybody... Uh, is, is, is using these vehicles without knowing whether it's legal or not and what are the requirements. And I think this is a really major throwback. Is there any market in Europe that is kind of opening up a little bit, like that could be considered a, a hotbed for innovation <laughs> in this system? I mean, you mentioned that you know, some cities might be taking... I think these. Estonia is a really very good example, for at least from vehicle law side it is, and I think from operating law side as well. But, yeah, generally but Estonia, <laughs> but, uh, but also at least in ride-hailing space, we see that now uh, most of the Eastern European countries are, are renewing the law. So Baltics were the first region, now Eastern Europe is following, and uh, but there are still Germany, Italy, Spain, Denmark, for example, are really traditional and mm. old school. So, mm. so lots of, let's say, explaining and lobby work to be done to open up those markets. I think even Estonia was you know, kind of trying to be ambitious enough to try to have some framework for autonomous uh, vehicles or at least mm -hmm. on the in the legislation i don't know about the uh, the ride sharing and the the new forms of of uh, it's the know. same estonia was one of the first ones to adopt the new one and, and it's but, but it's tricky because you know estonia is so small that small, okay, you can yeah. be a test bed for the legislative and how it works because i remember when i was in portugal uh, it would take me an hour to go from home to to work or or to school and then i got here it's like 15 minutes and mm -hmm. it's perfect you know my quality of life improved no traffic People here complaining about the traffic. It was like, okay, you're stuck at the traffic lights. That's it. You know, yeah, it's not exactly. Real traffic, uh, but so there's not that much of a problem to solve uh, to solve there from a mobility point of view. So using it as a as a as a test bed from a legislative point of view makes sense. But maybe the market is not there. I think one of the reason also is that uh, maybe, maybe it's like a maybe bigger picture. But if you look where the, all the uh, investment into uh, mobility as a service comes from, it's only five percent from the vehicle industry. All 95% is from elsewhere, like VCs and uh, tech companies. And that means that also um, the vehicle industry is not driving the legislation change forward at all because they want to keep the old status quo of, of, uh, of cars. And, uh, and everybody's looking and waiting like where it's going to be. I think the moment when the vehicle companies are going into this uh, field uh, more and heavily, they, they will help to change the legislation very quickly because they have a lot of experience in doing that. But right now it's exactly because uh, the players are 95% outsiders and but that think, makes I it difficult. Daimler was looking into... Uh... They are, they are, but still, as I said, 5% from the industry, 95% yeah. from elsewhere. That maybe is a reason why it's moving slowly. Uh, just on, on, on the sake of the technologies and like the future, uh, when we talk about mobility, is, is it clear that the future of mobility is going to be electric? Uh, and what does that mean for uh, you know, cities and, and how you manage the charging and all of these things? Yeah, I think uh, when we started our company, Stigo, then uh, the reason it was done was because we saw that now, finally, because of uh, battery technology, everybody can actually make an electric vehicle because making an electric vehicle is way cheaper than making an old-style vehicle because in an uh, old-style car, the most expensive parts are really um, like R&D-heavy uh, motor and transmission. Uh, but in electric vehicle, you just have a motor and a wheel technology, which is 140 years old, mm. and then you have a battery. Uh, and then you have a body and that's it. So actually, uh, in theory, electric vehicle is way cheaper and more efficient uh, to make and use than uh, old style. So I think that the future is definitely electric. 
however, it doesn't mean that right now it's cheaper to own an electric car. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for numerous reasons, it might not be so, but the future definitely is electric. Yeah, and, and Martin, for, for Bolt and the different sort of uh, fleets that you will operate, uh, do you see that the same way, that most of them will become electric? Yes, I, I think the trend is clear. So I think several global cities, I think Paris and multiple other have said that, uh, I think more progressive ones have said that they want to be fully electric by 2025. I, I'm not sure it, it's fully realistic yet, but uh, I think Paris was telling that it's 2030. So we have, what, 11 years to go. So so uh, the trend is clearly there. Uh, and um, and yeah, it's more efficient, of course, for uh, global emissions side or uh, or also the cost of uh, electric transportation seems to be at least mileage wise, it's it's better if we can get the the battery cost down so that because yeah, battery is currently biggest part usually from the from the cost of the the vehicle. So if if that gets more affordable, then uh, yeah, I think the trend trend is quite clear, of course. Charging infrastructure is still to be developed. Estonia is one of the first ones that have nationwide charging network. But if you look at Tesla type of company have been in a, already been able to install, I think, was it already tens of thousands or, or thousands for sure of all the chargers. So then if it's really government take that as a priority, they can, they can do it. So it's just a matter of time when, when it's actually going to happen. But definitely for now, uh, deploying large large scale electric vehicles is not yet possible because the charging infrastructure is not, is there, not yet. there yet. Mm -hmm. So there has to be some catching but it's, up. But it's very interesting developments. Even the Estonian uh, startup Skeleton Tech, they are not working actually to build bigger batteries, but they are working on to charge the batteries much faster. So maybe you can put like the what the technology don't recall it exactly, but their idea is to charge, let's say. With half a minute, you can charge very fast and let's say 50 or 100 miles of, uh, mm. of uh, electricity. And then basically you can stop very fast charge and go on. So you don't need a large battery, but you, if the charging is really, really fast, you can charge more often, but the shorter. Um, mm -hmm. So, so, so it all becomes, more, becomes more convenient. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think this is the, the, already today. You have three different speed of char charging, and uh, people usually think that we need to charge quickly. But the reason why you needed to charge quickly was that the distance of an average vehicle was really short. If you can drive only 100 uh, kilometers and then you need to charge, obviously you want to charge quickly. But the moment when the batteries uh, are, are going to be enough to try 500 kilometers, for example, then that means that 99% of your travels you can do during a day and then you can charge overnight slowly, which is actually way more efficient and also better for all the electri electricity kind of infrastructure also, because you don't want to take out really uh, high peaks. You just want to charge overnight and slowly. Mm -hmm. So, I, uh, and I remember somebody in, on a conference also said that the, the majority of the charging in the future also is going to be slow charging. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is enabled when the capacity of a battery is big enough for a car that you don't need to charge during and, the day. And the new, the new electric vehicles already have They are, actually, yeah. yeah. So, so the whole range anxiety doesn't... Exactly, so that means that the solution can come from different sides. You don't really need to have a huge infrastructure investments if you can make a car just last uh, to last longer. So let's talk a little bit about beyond moving people. 
you know, Martin Bolt has been experimenting with uh, with uh, food delivery. Uh, I've personally used Bolt to have some stuff delivered. Uh, you know, just calling a, a taxi to come here and, and drop drop something, and then they take it to the destination. It becomes cheaper than using some other uh, courier. But uh, what have you learned so far from uh, from your experiments of, of you know delivering stuff other than uh, other than people? Yeah, we we have analyzed basically what markets are there, and and but just maybe a few learnings from uh, from still the people carriages is nowadays it's it's still very big shift of overall people's mindset what what we need to change. So owning your own car has been a habit, and our generation was really into owning things and and. Well, showing also that I have a cool car. So I think younger generation is, is now moving off that. Second thing is people have really used to take their kids to schools and training and so on. And, and if, if they actually would start thinking, does it make sense or not? So if you leave your job, you drive to a training place, then you, let's say, drive a few kilometers to school and then back to the work, you, you, st- you drive so much more than taking just allowing the key to take the cab you would basically save time. It's probably cheaper than considering your hourly earning versus the uh, ride you pay for the taxi and the distance is much smaller or all of that. So, so those are the things people are just stuck with their old habits. So if we can show them new methods that are more efficient, all of that actually would change and make it... Plus the parking. I, I have yeah, a yeah. theory that I think Uber, Bolt and uh, Lyft, they benefit immensely from the cost of property prices being yeah. so high that you know parking becomes a huge cost factor when you need to drive yeah, to the city. Yeah, I mean in central that. Tallinn one hour of parking parking costs the same that's our average ride in Tallinn exactly. is five, six euros. So mm-hmm. parking is about what, four or five euros an hour. So so plus finding the place. Finding and, finding places yeah, exactly. So so that's definitely a big challenge. So I, so, I like this, you know, the real estate bubble is uh, also helping uh, companies like uh, Bolt and uh, and Uber. Yeah. Yeah, yeah actually it is and uh, in, in American cities, uh, real estate prices uh, is increasing rapidly the further you go from metro station. So basically, uh, this is exactly where the micromobility and all kind of these personal solutions can help you because you go uh, with a metro uh, and uh, with masses again. And from a metro, uh, how, we, how quickly you can get to your home, that's their, like how much you pay for your yeah. home, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's changing quickly. And I wanted to say that I think uh, when you asked like, how quickly it's going to happen, I think in UK they estimated that, that uh, by 2025, 50% of people don't want to own a car anymore. Mm. Today, uh, 75% of uh, households own a car. So it's going to be a rapid change really, really quickly. And, and another thing, uh, you mentioned the parking cost, but uh, some people don't realize that uh, when you own a personal car, you use it only 4 to 5% of the time. Right. Four to five percent, and with mobility as a service, um, maybe in bigger cities you might even use it less because you less, mainly maybe use yeah. it only for weekends because it's so hassle in the yeah, in exactly. the big cities. So parks. and mobility as a service predicts that uh, it's gonna be increased uh, to fifty plus percent with a car constantly on a move, but that also means that the cars and vehicles need to be different because right now it takes you ten years to reach to three hundred kilometers with your car. But with mobility as a service, uh, you can get there with one year. So uh, you need to have cars that last like million kilometers, two million kilometers. And this is totally new technology that even doesn't exist today. So I was, uh, it's a big challenge. Uh, I was test driving a Tesla Model S 
mm, I don't know, three years old, three hundred and eighty thousand kilometers. Mm-hmm. It behaved as a new car. It was mm-hmm. beautiful to uh, to drive. Actually, how do how do you see Tesla getting into the ride sharing? They, I mean, Elon Musk just announced that you know this is coming next year. And how do you see that? Is that a challenger? It's it's an interesting model. So uh, I'm a bit skeptic that it happens that far fast, but eventually something like that will happen. So uh, so it will definitely disrupt the market. So uh, but uh, we we believe that uh, Tesla wouldn't be the only company being able to to build those self-driving cars. So if we believe that there will be four, five, maybe ten companies as it's currently. Maybe about twenty, but but their, but their model is that okay, you buy the car, yeah, yeah. you own the car, but you put it on a fleet yeah. that is mm-hmm. uh, you know being so that you know you're not using it only four percent of the time, but you monetize the time that it's not being available. Yeah, that that's that's an interesting model. We'll we'll see how if and how it actually works. So, yeah. uh, but in, but in a way, you know, with Bolt, if you're a private driver, you are kind of doing that already, right? So you have your yeah, own car. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can get one from from. You know, mm-hmm. from I you think the question also is you have to realize that the reason why people don't want to own a car anymore is not only because of a lifestyle changer question. It's also because of a factor that new generation has just less money. So people don't want to, they cannot afford to buy a car. So uh, Tesla model still requires uh, people to have that money available and to kind of invest into making this car into a money-making unit. So the Yes, maybe it happens, but in the same time, the question is why would people actually need to invest into cars? Right. Is that something they really understand or they can take their money and use it elsewhere? And I have a strong feeling that uh, actually because of um, liberty now, uh, because of a self-driving cars, uh, one thing that people have more now is time. And this time will be used for media consumption, entertainment, and it's going to be a huge opportunity for these kind of media and ent- entertainment companies to provide products and services for people who don't have to drive anymore. And and these implications to the society, I think, are much bigger and way beyond cars. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, going back to the, the transporting no, goods, goods <laughs> yes, other than sorry. <laughs> uh, other than uh, people, I mean, I think Uber uh, in their. Uh, in their S1 or whenever they they went uh, public, you know the, the the margins or whatever they're making on transporting food with uh, Uber Eats is a, a very small percentage of their bottom line. How how does Bolt uh, you know approach this uh, transporting food or other? Yeah, so when we how how we actually chose food as well, we we were trying to um, let's say analyze multiple opportunities where we could go and food uh, in terms of just let's say ticket size and and commission and all of that seemed uh, more uh, uh, more attractive to to do now and it had also more similar logic with our existing network and and driver base and and operations and all of that so so that's why we chose that uh, but uh, but yeah there there could be also other alternatives like going intercity transport or 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 other ways but but yeah, packaging or delivering packages it it's uh, currently felt less attractive or opportunistic for us so the, the story that i love about uh, uber eats is how they in same some neighborhoods in uh, in the us they were able to uh, figure out you know what kind of food was missing from that neighborhood uh, talk to a local restaurant that had a kitchen and a very small sort of front uh, service, and then they were able to 
ask the guys, okay, start making this food, we'll pick up, we'll deliver, and you get the, the commission. So they were using all these models that had, you know, been so used. So you can for use other. data market exactly. research and yeah, deploy, yeah, and start, yeah, create, yeah. New, create new demand. Which, which is slightly different from, you know, the transporting people, you know, it's approaching a completely new area where you're maybe not, uh, you know, don't have a lot of experience. So is with Bolt, are you guys thinking along the same lines or for now let's see how it goes with, with just the typical restaurants and, and maybe compete a little bit with, uh, with Volt here? In- I think that, of course, the market evolves. So currently we're just building up the whole platform, logistics uh, team, app, all of that. But yeah, when we get get more data, then of course you can... Based on data, you can start making all kinds of decisions so that basically even now if we consider, uh, let's say, ride hailing, then uh, we can use data to predict uh, what's the probability of uh, you finishing a ride. And depending, let's say, if the car estimate is 15 minutes from you, so uh, and we know that you are usually when you, you tend to cancel rides that are le- car is more than five minutes away. So when we currently offer you a car 15 minutes away, we know that the probability you won't take that ride is pretty big. So what we can do based on the data, we could, let's say, even uh, offer that ride without our commission. So we can mm-hmm. offer that ride you with a lower price and hopefully you will take that ride so we can make more rides. And then mm-hmm. insert another uh, space, maybe we could add an extra margin when the car is very close to you. We can maybe add another five or ten cents, and then you would still take the ride. So, uh, so, so like we could even out this less probable ride and the more probable ride, and in the end we could keep roughly same commission, but overall two people would be both happy yeah, otherwise. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so uh, it, it goes into much more sophisticated, that kind of data analysis and predictions when you have the data. Yeah. And, uh, and for, uh, for Stigo, what's, uh, what's in the near future? Are we, I mean, is, is transporting people your core thing or will <laughs> we ever start carrying our Ikea furniture in a Stigo bike? Again, we are uh, positioning ourselves as a developer of micromobility products, and, and this is based on the requirement. If a company comes to us and says, you know, we want, uh, like we had this Chinese company uh, who said that, you know, we, we have a car delivery service, so we need uh, uh, one person to deliver a car and come back with an electric bike. And so make us an electric bike with a huge battery but that can be folded and put into the trunk of a car. So we made that. Mm-hmm. So we make uh, uh, bikes based on uh, requirements. We have, we are talking with um, some food delivery companies right now also to make them a perfect bike for couriers. And, uh, and another kind of revolution, even called uh, revolution, is the um, cargo bikes. Right. Because the cargo bikes seem to be doing growing even faster than uh, electric scooters or electric uh, bicycles right now. So there's, there's, for us as a developer of micromobility products, it's an interesting time. And again, as I said, that you will see more and more different kinds of vehicles. That means that you also need somebody to develop them. So I think we, we are quite happy if we can help uh, to, to reach that goal. Very good. And Martin, uh, Uber has IPO'd, uh, Lyft uh, also. What about uh, what about uh, Bolt? I mean, the unicorn from Estonia uh, is is an IPO in the pipeline. I think Marcos said in recent interview that we are considering an IPO, but it's probably not going to happen in the next three years. So, like uh, building uh, or building, uh, let's say, 
IPO-ready companies, at first, uh, a big challenge. You need to add a lot of uh, compliance and, and uh, all kinds of reporting and other functionalities. We are slowly trying to prepare it. On the other hand, it makes your company much slower and, and also very much quarterly uh, reporting pace. So analysts are usually looking on quarterly reports and all of that. So it's much more difficult to build longer-term vision if you need to invest longer and so on so and and yeah it makes you slower so we we currently try to push it uh, more to the future if if we have enough private funding available so are you are you focused more on opening new markets with the existing products so you found like you know the the thing that scales or are you looking and focusing more on new areas where you know, mobility. We'll be. we'll see. I think, uh, yeah, adding already multiple product lines within one company, of course, makes the overall structure more complicated. So, if people have a choice that should I improve the ride-hailing product or scooter product or uh, or food product, then already, yeah, sometimes you might have a challenge on that. So, having a single function organization in a sense is more aligned and and can be probably more efficient. So, so. Adding all the new areas, of course, makes it more more complicated and challenging. But yeah, on the other hand, if there is opportunities big enough and all of that, then how to play that smartly? So we we actually have Yevgeny Kabanov who who have tried that previously in his companies, and he had some pretty good learnings. Where he he's trying to to use how to how to make that work. So definitely, we we are looking for both new markets mm-hmm. and also new product service areas. And in terms of new markets, is there any geographical uh, interest that... Uh... Yeah, we recently launched already first city in Russia, so uh, we see how Take that goes. Part. Yes, so uh, so we're live there already, and, and so yeah, Russia is a really big market. If, if we see that we... Uh, if we can grow there, of course, the biggest unknown might be also political risks. And in other markets, you maybe can predict it better than than in Russia. So let's see how how that goes. But otherwise, it's still we have biggest European markets: Germany, Italy, Spain are still closed for ride hailing. So so if we can crack these markets, convince the politicians that uh, that we are a European company, you should open up market for for uh, open competition. Uh, and then of course in Africa, we have tapped just. So small amount of markets. We're just in in six markets, and Africa is the fastest growing region. That expected to grow from one billion to what four or five billion. So right. in the next twenty years. So I mean, it's like un- unlimited growth potentials there as well. So so we have so many opportunities. We can easily grow hundred hundred times as a company. And Ardo, for you, is this year next the main challenge or the main growth opportunity is to sell your product to other ride-sharing companies or to individuals? Yeah, definitely not to individuals. We uh, our focus is B two B clearly, so we look for uh, our fleet customers, uh, companies who want to have fleet of our products, or then uh, uh, ride-sharing companies, or not only ride-sharing companies like. The, the Chinese company I mentioned also they don't do ride sharing but they have a need for a specialized uh, micromobility product and uh, that's where we want to be like if somebody has an idea then we say yeah we know how to how to do this product uh, we can do only design R&D or we can actually produce a bike as well so that's so I think it's it's an exciting time and we have a couple of ideas actually how to uh, to bring out something really new again uh, also in uh, terms of 
of sharing, but it's not going to be a car, it's not going to be a bike, it's something maybe in between. I like that. Uh, and, and the idea is, again, that why do you need, as you said, two-ton vehicle? You only need to transport 70-kilogram person, so the lowest you can do is starting from a 10-kilo bicycle. Mm. Now the question is that um, 10 to 50-kilogram uh, vehicle should be actually quite uh, efficient to achieve that goal, so that's what we're working on. All right, then, uh, guys, it was great having you both on the show. Uh, thank you very much for your time and uh, catch you in in next episode. Thank you. Thanks. Good luck for everyone. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Startup in Estonia podcast. We'll be back with a new episode very soon. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud so you can get every episode delivered to you directly. We'll be back in two weeks' time with a fresh dose of inspiration. See you soon.